listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti, and I'm the host for today's show, which is being recorded at the ABA's National Summit on Innovation and Legal Services at Stanford Law School in Stanford, California. We're here to cover this event and its highlights for you, our listeners. And joining me now, I have a very special guest, Mr. Richard Barton, who, of course, is the founder of Expedia, Zillow, and Glassdoor. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Lawrence. Well, before we get started, uh, you spoke at an event uh, called Barton's Laws of Disruption, and I was only able to... Uh, that was my, the title of my talk, not the title of the event. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, the title of your talk. But that's talk. okay. That would be kind of a fun event, too. <laughs> so Barton's Laws of Disruption, and I caught the tail end of it when you were uh, beginning to get some questions. But before we get into that, yep. I wanted, uh, if, you, if you wouldn't mind, to share some of a uh, little bit of your personal life. Where do you work right now, and what do you do? Well, I am an entrepreneur and uh, venture investor. I live in Seattle. Uh, I have started several companies, including Expedia, which I started up inside of Microsoft in the 90s, and I ran that for many years. And then some friends and I started a company called Zillow, which many of you out there might know as the uh, real estate information site, which is now the biggest real estate information site and app in the country. Uh, as well, I helped put together a company called Glassdoor with some ex-Expedia friends as well, and I'm the chairman there. And so, you know, and finally, in, in legal, I am on the board of directors of Avo, which is an information market, a really vibrant information marketplace for uh, legal services, for lawyers to get together with consumers. And so I'm also on the board of Netflix and a part-time venture capitalist. So I do lots of stuff in technology, entrepreneurship, and, uh, and investing. So you're a busy guy. I'm a busy guy, but when you have eight jobs, nobody knows when you don't show up to work. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So uh, Barton's Laws of Disruption, the title of your speaking event today, uh, can you give us the 50,000-foot uh, synopsis? If it can be known, it will be known. If it can be rated, it will be rated. And if it can be free, it will be free. Those are my, you know, pithy laws of, of uh, technology-driven disruption. And it's a way of, uh, of kind of encapsulating what I call power to the people. Um, the internet and smartphones that are constantly connected are empowering regular people to take control and access information that heretofore had been kept from them in a frustrating fashion, be that in travel, in real estate, in mortgages, in legal, in jobs, in cosmetic procedures, <laughs> okay? And I have startups in all, of those, in all of those verticals. And what those startups do is they empower regular consumers to use their smartphones and tear down the walls that separate them from that information. A great example is the Zestimate, which Zillow invented um, seven or eight years ago. And we put a we put a estimated market value on the rooftop of every home in the country updated every night. And then we cracked open every historical transaction that we could get our hands on. It was a matter of public record, and we made that available. Uh, and then eventually, all information about the housing market we've made available out there. That is kind of radical transparency, power to the people. So the, the, this uh, phone's empowering consumers, uh, giving them uh, more options, allowing them to communicate with the people that provide the different services that they consume in their life. 
that's got a nice dovetail into what's going on at the national summit here this weekend because uh, one of the big one of the big innovations that they're calling for is an innovation in access to justice. And so, can you help uh, uh, help our listeners connect the dots with some of this this the phones and the mobile devices that empower consumers? How is that translating into the practice of law? Well, I think that uh, one of the great things about the smartphone revolution, and everybody, not everybody, but most everybody now has a smartphone in this country, and actually around the world. The first computer that most people in the world get is now a smartphone, not a desktop computer. And this is a very, you know, personal, you know, people-empowering tool. Uh, And what it's enabled uh, people to do is access the legal marketplace in a way that they haven't been able to before. So, for example... We have on Avo, we have over 7 million questions and answers that happen in a really rich Q&A forum. That's 7 million? Yes, 7 million. I mean, it's a super vibrant uh, Q&A community accessible via smartphone and by desktop computer. And it's the only forum uh, where real lawyers are, are mingling with real potential customers in the light of day, answering questions and getting help on every conceivable topic. And so if you're an attorney out there, you might think, well, why, you know, why would I do that? I'm probably not going to get that client. You know, the person whose DUI question I'm answering um, in, you know, Tucson, uh, you know, I don't even work in Tucson. Why should I answer that? You know, why should I answer that question? And that person is not going to be a customer of mine. Well, that person may not become a customer of yours, but the 500 other people who come onto Avo and read that Q&A are going to see your name. And they're going to see if you answer that question well and you're, you're a, a lawyer with a, a profile that, that, that they actually want to work with, you're going to get a phone call or you're going to get an email. And so it's the knock-on effect of all of this Q&A vibrancy that helps drive business. And so that is a way, you know, that is one way that technology is changing the provision of legal services, changing the way potential customers find lawyers, uh, and I also believe expanding the market for legal services to people who might not have actually hired a lawyer in the past. But now, because it's more accessible and less mysterious, they're going to hire a lawyer. And I think uh, one of the takeaways I, I saw from your, uh, from your presentation, you, you talked about sunshine, uh, eliminating the mold in the corner of a dark house once you get sunshine on everything. And, and uh, I correlated that to improving the practice of law and access to justice because these these new ways, and it's not necessarily just a, a mobile phone, but the new ways to interact with attorneys and just what you're talking about with these 7 million Q&As is kind of like sunshine yeah. in, in the legal sphere. And so from that perspective, would you agree that the more conversations like that that are out there, the more that's in the light, the less we have to worry about the bad things that go on? So not just increasing access to justice, but improving the quality once you access that justice. Yeah. And yeah. And the provision of justice and the monitoring of justice and laws. That's, that's, if it can be known, it will be known. That is transparency. And what I, what I had said on stage was that bright sunshine shining into dark moldy corners dries up the mold and the creepy crawlies run out. I'm a huge, there are problems with, with radical transparency privacy, you know, is an issue. But we're getting used to having not having a lot of privacy. And the benefits of 
continuous monitoring of activities all the time, which is a little creepy and scary, I know, is, you know, that videos are being taken of police brutality that when they weren't taken before. And we had an event when I was a lot younger, this Rodney King event in L.A. I don't know what year that was. Do we remember? It's probably 20 years ago. Um, you know, and it was the same kind of police brutality thing. Uh, and there were riots, and it was, a, it was a big deal. And then that didn't happen again for 10 years. Now it's happening every week. And it's because everybody's walking around with a supercomputer with a video camera and a great microphone. And there are, there are security cameras everywhere now. Um, you know, turns out, I believe, that we behave better when we're being watched. I, I would agree. Okay, and it might not feel good to be watched all the time, but it's, kind of, it's pretty pro-social to have a mom and dad who are, who are watching, or Santa, or God, or whatever it is it may be, <laughs> you know? If I you noticed believe, you didn't say Big Brother. Okay, but if you believe Santa is watching, you know, if my kids believe Santa is, uh, is taking notes, he's making a list, he's checking it twice, they actually behave better, and I, that's a, you know, that's, it's kind of a, you know, perhaps a little bit of a demeaning example, but we are all, we adults are all just big kids too. And, and when society and our friends and the people we respect are watching our behavior, we behave better. The first question was asked you when the, when the floor opened up uh, was kind of a direct one. It had, it had to kind of, what we're talking about right now, it had to do with trust. And in it, online reviews, and how can you trust online reviews? And so we're living in a world uh, right now of, from, from my memory, the most increased, the highest level of transparency. But how can you trust what you see? You know, somebody's video is taken from a certain perspective and here's certain things and it becomes their perspective from their camera. But if you have a different shot, you know, you get a different perspective and then you have news media making their commentaries and then you have these online reviews making their commentaries on restaurants and legal services and even medical services. Yeah. So where is the internal pressure? How do you do, how do you know what you're reading and seeing is true? How do you know that it's valuable information that can help you make a decision? I mean, it's a, it's a tough question. I mean, you know, having multiple videos of the same situation certainly is better than having multiple eyewitness accounts of the same situation. All right. So incrementally a step forward. It's probably easy, easier to get to the truth from multiple recorded accounts. Um, so I'm all, you know, I'm all for that. Um, you know, when it comes to trust in reviews on Yelp or Avo or Glassdoor uh, or TripAdvisor or Google, um, you know, my feeling about that is that consumers have a pretty good sense for when they're being monkeyed with. And they, they figure it out. If they don't figure it out while they're reading it from on their smartphones, they figure it out when they go to the hotel that had five stars and turns out not to be great. Uh, or they go to the restaurant, it turns out not to be great. Now their trust in that source of information goes down. And what do they do? They vote with their feet and they use something else. And so I think the marketplace is pretty good at adjusting, from a review perspective at least, is really good at adjusting to the trusted sources. Uh, I do believe that Google is walking a tightrope right now with its search results with its own search results. And it's wrestling with how much of its own services and its own promoted services to jam down into search results versus how much to point people at 
at what they think are the best third-party services and then how they determine what those best third-party services are. That is an interesting area of, I think, consumer – will be an interesting area of consumer law for, for the next decade is my guess. Um, so that's a long-winded, long-winded way of saying that I think consumers have a pretty good sense. And that comes back to your sunshine comment. Oh. The more sunlight you have, the less mold you get. That's right. That's great. So Sometimes Bar- you get a sunburn, though. So, so. <laughs> so Barton's Laws of Disruption. Um, what, do you, what do you envision in the next five years? What changes? Well, I think the, the, um, this trend towards, um, you know, if it can be known, it will be known. You know, if it can be free, it will be free. And if it can be rated, it will be rated. I mean, I guess radical transparency, I think it just continues. I think we're at the early, early stages of this. And I tend to focus on areas where that comes into play in consumer services and brands. Um, I think that comes into play in business services and governmental services and academic services provision as well. And I think this this idea of radical transparency is going to ripple through, you know, all of these areas of our of our world. I'm personally looking forward to this in the provision of governmental services. I think we have a we have a long way to go before the legislation regulation uh, are transparent. We need them to be more transparent. And so I think we're going to see some very interesting things happen in the next decade. There, I think. And if they don't happen, we're going to get left behind. You know, something, something's got to give. Um, so that, that's an interesting area. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of our program for today, but I want to thank Mr. Richard Barton for joining us. And if our listeners wanted to reach out to you with some questions, uh, how can they find you? Thanks, Lawrence. Uh, so I'm on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Rich underscore Barton, B-A-R-T-O-N. I'll see you on Twitter. This has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.